The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks rise ahead of key retail sales data and earnings from Walmart and Home Depot. New developments this morning in Elon Musk's pursuit of Twitter. Warren Buffett changes banks. We'll explain. And the Senate moves toward passage of $40 billion in aid to Ukraine. President Biden heads to Buffalo today following Saturday's deadly mass shooting. Plus, New York City's health chief urges people to mass. Up. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashdower in sports. The Yankees stay red hot with an easy win in Baltimore. The Islanders have hired a new coach. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 57 points. Dow futures up 325. NASDAQ futures up 243. 10-year Treasury down 930 seconds, yield 2.91%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.60%. John. And Karen, the rise in futures follows a late-day sell-off on Wall Street. The tech-heavy Nasdaq was hardest hit, falling more than 1%. New York State manufacturing activity unexpectedly contracted in May, and that stoked concerns of slowing growth. Recession fears are real, according to Voya Senior Portfolio Manager Barbara Reinhardt. We think that the world is going to go from worrying about inflation to worrying about a recession uh, probably in just a few months' time. So we think that this is the very beginning of the worries that we see happening uh, for the for the economy. Voy Investment Management's Barbara Reinhardt made the comments on Bloomberg Business Week, her weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, John Cash is king. That's according to the latest Bank of America Fund Manager Survey, which shows cash levels among investors hit the highest level since September of 2001. Stagflation fears are the highest in 14 years. Investors see hawkish central banks as the biggest risk, followed by a global recession. And speaking of central banks, we could get more clues on the path of interest rate hikes. Six Fed officials speak at events today. The highlight comes this afternoon when the Fed chair, Jay Powell, is interviewed for a live Wall Street Journal event. Well, in Asia overnight, John's stocks were winners. Technology shares climbed as investors assessed China's effort to stamp out COVID. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index gained for a third session its longest winning streak since mid-March. China's tech companies jumped on optimism Beijing may ease up on a year-long clampdown following a meeting between regulators and corporate giants. Adding to the positive tone, Shanghai reporting three days of zero community transmission. This 
this is a milestone that could lead officials to start unwinding the punishing lockdown. And reopening stocks also rose in Japan after the nation announced it will allow small tourist groups on package tours into the country this month on an experimental basis. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Julie. Attorney to Corporate News, fresh developments this morning on whether Elon Musk will pursue his takeover of Twitter. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, John. Elon Musk says he'll proceed with his $44 billion Twitter takeover only if the social media giant proves that less than 5% of his accounts are fake. He shared even more of his skepticism yesterday at a Miami tech conference, estimating that bots make up at least 20% of all Twitter accounts. Musk shocked the market last week when he tweeted that his offer was temporarily on hold, and doubts are growing that he'd be able to pull off his acquisition and that he may consider dropping his bidding price. Shares of Twitter right now are down about 2% in early trading. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. We move from one billionaire now to another with news from Warren Buffett. The Berkshire Hathaway chairman said goodbye to one longtime bank stake. He made a big bet on another one. A filing shows that Buffett ended his long-running investment in Wells Fargo in the first quarter and has now invested roughly $2.9 billion in Citigroup. Shares of Citi are up more than 4% this morning. It's a big day on the retail front. This morning we're going to get earnings from Home Depot and Walmart. Now Bloomberg's Tom Busby has more on the outlook for Walmart. The focus for investors is whether sales continue to grow at the nation's biggest retailer and largest grocery seller amid stubbornly high inflation, or whether consumers were forced to pull back a bit last quarter. Bloomberg Consensus calls for adjusted earnings per share of $1.48 on revenues of just over $139 million, and CompUS sales forecast to rise two and a quarter percent. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Tom, thank you. Well, also this morning before the market opens, the government issues economic data on retail sales. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. The median forecast calls for a gain, but Bloomberg Economics anticipates slower growth in April retail sales. The reason? Signs of stress as inflation chips away at household finances. Consumers are turning to credit to pay for essentials such as food and gasoline. That doesn't bode well for discretionary spending. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Lisa. We now turn to developments involving the war in Europe. Senators have advanced the Ukrainian aid bill with wide support. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The Senate overwhelmingly moved the bill forward with a vote of 81 to 11. The measure would give $40 billion in aid to Ukraine, including money for weapons, training, and humanitarian aid. Now, this was a procedural vote. A final vote on the measure is expected as early as tomorrow if all lawmakers waive rules on debate. And then from there, it would go to the president's desk. Last week, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky held up the bill over concerns about the cost and how the money would be spent. In Washington, I'm Amy Moore as Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. And it appears that Finland and Sweden's bid to join NATO is hitting a roadblock. Turkey's President Erdogan has put the brakes on the move, saying he won't allow the countries to join the alliance because of their stances on Kurdish militants. Erdogan calls Sweden a nesting ground for terrorists. Even if he does not end up blocking membership, Erdogan could extract concessions from NATO. To allow it. And this morning we're seeing futures rallying ahead of the cash open on Wall Street. Right now the Dow futures up 358 points. S&P E-mini futures up 61. And the Nasdaq futures up 255. And the benchmark 10-year yield right now at 291. That is up two basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak.
It's 507 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. President Biden heads to Buffalo, New York today after Saturday's deadly mass shooting at a supermarket. Authorities say the gunman is an 18-year-old white supremacist. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. It's been hard. Uh, it's shocking. Uh, it's painful. And um, I've worked hard to hold this community together. Mayor Brown says he will also talk with President Biden about federal gun laws. In New York, a vigil was held at a Harlem church last night for the victims in Buffalo. Among those in attendance at Bethel Gospel Assembly, New York Attorney General Letitia James. We are in pain for the 13 individuals who were shot and the 10 beautiful lives that were lost and for their families that are suffering and for the Buffalo community. That is in so much pain, so much anger. Along with A.G. James, New York Mayor Eric Adams also spoke. Adams talked about Buffalo and an 11-year-old girl who was shot and killed by a gunman riding a scooter in the Longwood section of the Bronx last night. We have to be consistent because if you take the life of young Kiara merely because of where she lived, you're no more less demonic than a person that took the life of those ten innocent people in Buffalo. Mayor Adams also slammed social media. New York City health officials are urging New Yorkers to wear masks in all indoor public settings as the city approaches high-risk COVID-19 alert status. New York City has been averaging around 3,600 reported new cases of COVID-19 per day over the past week. Five states hold primary elections today ahead of the November midterms. In Pennsylvania, both parties hope to pick up an open Senate seat. In the Republican primary, TV star Dr. Menmin Oz has former President Trump's endorsement. Oz is running against former Bridgewater CEO Dave McCormick, but conservative commentator Kathy Barnett is surging in the polls. Bloomberg government elections reporter Greg Giroux. Sometimes when you have races where you have two front runners beating up mm-hmm. on each other, sometimes a third candidate can kind of sneak up there by surprise. And yeah. um, But Barnett did uh, rise in the polls in the last seven or ten days. Bloomberg's Greg Giroux as for the Democrats, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who had a health scare, probably, according to Giroux, has enough of a lead to still win the primary. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Michael, thanks. It's now 510 of Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanchero. Good morning, John. Here in mid-May, the Yankees have still yet to reach double figures in the loss column. Another win, this one in Baltimore with a big hit coming from an unlikely source. Oh, one is hit in the air down the right field line. A long run for Santander. And it is... It is a home run. Wow! He hit one right down the line, and it just got over the high wall near the pole. Well, that is really something. A three-run home run for Trevino. On WFAN, the Yankees' first home run hit by a catcher. Jose Trevino and Kyle Higashioka both batting under 200. It's hardly hurt them. They are now 26-9, 19 wins in the last 22 games. They beat the Orioles 6-2. Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rizzo hit back-to-back homers in the ninth inning. Luis Severino allowed only one hit. Yanks out hit the Orioles 11-3. Yanks have only allowed seven hits 
over the last two games. Mets and Cardinals rained out. City Field will play a straight doubleheader today after a weekend with a total of seven game sevens. The NBA and NHL playoffs took a night off. Back tonight, start of the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics and Heat in Miami. They met in the East Finals two years ago. Miami won that series. Stanley Cup second round starts tonight with an in-state battle. Tampa Bay in Florida. Also St. Louis at Colorado. Rangers and Hurricanes, game one in Raleigh tomorrow. The Islanders, who just fired Coach Barry Trotz, promoted his assistant, Lane Lambert. PGA Championship tees off Thursday in Tulsa. The defending champ, Phil Mickelson, is not playing. Tiger Woods is, as his leg, severely injured in that car accident last year, is feeling better. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks a lot, John. And we're in the green right now. Pre-market Dow futures, uh, 348 points. S&P futures, they're up 60. And the Nasdaq futures right now, up 254 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Just ahead, can we shop till we drop? Walmart sales under close scrutiny as they report earnings. We'll preview their earnings report with Jen Bartashis of Bloomberg Intelligence. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are rising along with U.S. stock index futures as risk appetite returns to markets roiled by concerns about global economic growth, surging prices, and policy tightening. Treasury yields are rising. The dollar retreating. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And technology shares are gaining this morning with NASDAQ futures jumping up more than 2%, up 257 points. S&P futures up 60. Dow futures up 343. The 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds, yield 2.90%. Yield on the two-year, 2.60%. NYMEX crude oil is up 2 tenths percent, or 23 cents, at $114.43 a barrel. COMEX gold up 7 tenths percent, or $13.10 at 18.27, 10 an ounce. The euro, 1.0481 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2486. The yen, 129.29. And Bitcoin this morning is up more than 2% at $30,580. Today we are watching for our Report on April retail sales at 8.30 Wall Street time and 9.15. It's industrial production, then at 10 business inventories. Home Depot and Walmart are among companies scheduled to report earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Biden travels to Buffalo, New York this morning to meet with the families of the victims of Saturday's supermarket shooting that left 10 people dead, all of them black. This, as we learn, the 18-year-old suspected shooter was allegedly inspired by the racist Great Replacement Theory. Five states will hold primary elections today. Pennsylvania is trying to decide an open Senate seat ahead of the midterms. Other states holding primaries are Idaho, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Oregon. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Orioles 6-2. The Mets game has rained out. The Red Sox and Giants won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Thank you, Michael. It is 520 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Elon Musk says he will proceed with his $44 billion takeover of Twitter only if the social media giant can substantiate claims about the proportion of bots on its service. Let's uh, take a deeper dive this morning. We're joined first by 
Giles Turner, Bloomberg Technology Managing Editor. Can you explain to me the big deal about bots? Yeah, it's very difficult to to work out how many bots there are on the on the platform. I do have sympathy both for, for Elon Musk uh, saying that surely the CEO of Twitter must know how many fake accounts are on the system. But we spent a lot of time trying to figure it out ourselves. I remember during the, the Brexit um, sort of breakdown, um, we were trying to work out how much of the accounts were fueled by um, outside influence, perhaps from Russia, and clever people in us will try and do it as well. And it turned out to be incredibly difficult once you drill down into these accounts. Um, so, but the key here for Musk is, is how much of the accounts uh, are fake. Obviously, he thinks they're drawn to him. There are a lot of fake crypto accounts. Obviously, going to be drawn to Musk's own account. He probably finds that very frustrating. Um, but also, it may well be a very clever bartering tool uh, to get a lower price uh, on Twitter. Obviously, you've seen the shares come down quite a lot recently. All right, so what's Twitter saying at this point? Presumably, what they've disclosed comes in the uh, – we're getting regulatory filings for a bunch of companies, right? Yeah. Well, they've always said that they think it's around 5%, but they've also always said they think it could be a lot more because it's very difficult to, at least it is from the argument from Twitter, it's very difficult to know exactly which accounts are fake, uh, which aren't. Also, it's worth adding here that the people who do make these fake accounts have got incredibly good at this. They've had quite a considerable amount of time to, to practice their skill. Uh, it is very difficult to work out which are fake and uh, which are not. However, it's not impossible, and it's slightly puzzling that they don't have better understanding of uh, of this figure and fake accounts i mean this is no great insight they they, they don't generate any revenue or anything for for twitter no well they can drive um there's plenty of speculation about why these exist um not only for for political reasons but also for, for driving or, or trying to influence the algorithm uh, to help potentially get different messages across from various different people, um, you know, be it fake advertising, for example, or for political reasons. But either way, no one likes them, that's for sure. But there are, and it's on that point, that there are bots that are actually um, valid, and, and Twitter does allow bots, certain bots to be on there. On their system, for example, things that are uh, the recent popular one that is a, a bot that's been following um, various um, yachts and, and private planes of oligarchs, for example. Uh, people have found those very useful. Um, so there is a place for them. However, you've got to think of the perspective that Elon Musk is coming from as being one of the most active users on Twitter. Uh, also someone who talks a lot about cryptocurrency, and there seems to be a lot more fake accounts um, mainly for trying to trick people into giving up their own money. Um, and they target Musk, and some of them have been very successful. Giles, thanks a lot. Giles Turner, Bloomberg Technology Managing Editor. With that explanation, let's continue our coverage of this story this morning with one of the top analysts covering these uh, companies. Dan Ives, Wedbush Securities, joins us this morning. Dan, why is this so chaotic? <clears throat> well, I mean, it's turned into a circus show because the, the, the issue is that the bots fake accounts, it was probably known that it would be higher than what, what Twitter actually talked about. But I believe this is really ultimately Musk getting cold feet with a deal, looking for a scapegoat. And, you know, it, it's really turned into a what I'd say is almost a Twilight Zone situation. He's trying to bail out of the deal, billion-dollar breakup fee, or drive a much significantly lower price. Twitter's back against the wall. There's no other bidder. And this has really become, uh, you know, like like I said, it's a starker show. Um, do you mention the uh, the breakup fee? Is there a way to 
break this deal up and uh, not and avoid the fee? No, I mean, at this point, he'd have to pay the fee. But then legally, in terms of some of the due diligence, there's a lot of questions if he could even walk a bit because of this bar claim because, you know, this is going to now potentially go through a back and forth that could ultimately end up in the courts. we got to hear from Twitter's board. But this is really the issue. Twitter knows if they just say, okay, no deal, we walk away, then ultimately this is stock that goes under $30. And and that's really the issue for Twitter's board is that they really need to ultimately sit there and wait to see if there's a lower price. And the way that Musk has handled this, you know, I think all around has been a black eye. Uh, so as far as investors are concerned, are uh, uh, is this a disservice to the investors? Oh, I mean, I'd say it's unconscionable in terms of the way he's handling this in the public markets. This is typical due diligence. You do it behind the scenes, and it's something where markets change dramatically. $300 billions come off of his golden child, Tesla, since this all started. I think he overestimated that. Right now, is- Bonds are falling this morning after yesterday's late sell-off. Nancy Davey, founder of Quadratic Capital Management, says the market is still too optimistic about the Fed's ability to tame inflation. So much of the inflationary shock is not necessarily a result of the level of interest rates. It's other reasons that are pandemic related. So it's a really challenging time to try to thread the needle. And I think that's why we're encouraging investors just to be very diversified. Nancy Davis of Quadratic Capital Management says if inflation does not come down with higher rates, she worries about stagflation. That's surely on the mind of the Fed as we hear six central bank officials today, including Chair Jay Powell. He'll be interviewed during a live Wall Street Journal event later this afternoon. Well, turning to Capitol Hill, the midterm election less than six months away. Inflation is likely a major issue for voters. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois spoke to Bloomberg's David Weston about how President Biden is trying Trying to curb rising prices. What the president's doing, releasing oil from the strategic petroleum reserve, making moves in agriculture, he's doing everything within his control and power to move this uh, inflation away from American families. It's a tough challenge. Illinois Senator Dick Durbin speaking with David Weston on Bloomberg's Balance of Power. Catch the program weekdays at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And Karen, on the economic front, we're going to get more of a sense of consumer sentiment today. That's when the government issues data on retail sales. We also get earnings from Walmart this morning. At overseas, stocks in Europe and Chinese tech stocks climb with hopes that China will ease COVID restrictions. And finally, John, as we've been telling you, there are fresh developments this morning on Elon Musk's pursuit of Twitter. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Elon Musk says he'll proceed with his $44 billion Twitter takeover only if it proves that less than 5% of its accounts are fake. And he shared more skepticism yesterday at a Miami tech conference, estimating that bots make up at least 20% of all Twitter accounts. Musk shocked the market last week when he tweeted that his offer was temporarily on hold. And doubts are growing that he'll pull off the acquisition and he may consider dropping his bidding price. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak.
All right, Renita, thank you. And shares of Twitter down about 3% this morning. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up 61 points. Dow futures up 355. And NASDAQ futures up 257 or about 2.1%. Ten-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, yield 2.91%. They yield on the two-year, 2.60%. NYMEX crude oil is up 7 tenths percent or 75 cents at $114.94 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 7 tenths percent or $12.50 at 18. 2650 an ounce. The euro 1.0478 against the dollar. Bitcoin is higher. It's at $30,660. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. And let's bring in Michael Barnow with more of what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. President Biden travels to Buffalo, New York today. He will try to heal a community following Saturday's mass shooting. Authorities say 10 people were killed inside a top supermarket by an 18-year-old white supremacist. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown said he plans to talk to the president about gun laws. The availability of guns is just far too great in this country. Guns too often fall in the wrong hands, legally and illegally. Something has to be done about that at the federal level. There finally has to be the resolve to change that. Mayor Brown told ABC the shooting shakes your sense of security. In New York, a vigil for the Buffalo victims was held at a Harlem church last night. Mayor Eric Adams spoke at Bethel Gospel Assembly and criticized social media. What happened in Buffalo is no different than the sickness of social media that has music telling our young people to go after each other and shoot each other. Along with Eric Adams, New York Attorney General Letitia James was also in attendance. New York City health officials issued an advisory urging New Yorkers to mask up as the city approaches high-risk COVID-19 alert status. The health commissioner says we should wear face coverings at all times in public indoor settings. Five states hold primary elections today. In Pennsylvania, both parties hope to pick up an open Senate seat. In the Republican primary, TV star Dr. Mehmet Oz has former President Trump's endorsement. However, conservative commentator Kathy Barnett is surging in the polls. As for the Democrats, Bloomberg government elections reporter Greg Giroux was asked about Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's announcement that he had a stroke last week. It's big news to occur in the waning days of the campaign, but I think Fetterman's lead in the polls over his Democratic opponents, uh, led by Representative Connor Lamb, was probably substantial enough where he's probably going to win the primary anyway. Bloomberg's Greg Giroux. Other states holding primaries today are Idaho, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Oregon. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. Here's now 536 on Wall Street. Time now for Bloomberg Sports Update. And here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. Another night, another Yankee victory. This one in Baltimore. Start of a four-game series. Yanks beat the Orioles 6-2. to two. The big hit, not from Aaron Judge. He got the night off. Rather, from light-hitting catcher Jose Trevino. Three-run homer hit down the line in right field. Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rizzo with back-to-back homers of the night. Luis Severino allowed only one hit. It was not a great night for Joey Gallo. Baltimore's first batter. 
Gallo dropped a fly ball, went for a three-base error. He also went 0 for 5 with four strikeouts, but the Yanks still win, and they've now taken 19 of their last 22. Mets and Cardinals rained out, doubleheader today at City Field. The Islanders just fired their coach, Barry Trotz. They are replacing him with his top assistant, Lane Lambert. It's a good day, um, something that, you know, I have been preparing for for a long time um, throughout many years in the game and, and many years as a coach. Um, and uh, so there's there's a level of excitement for sure. Lambert worked under Trotz for 11 years at three different places and filled in for him for several games this past season. As for the Rangers, off to Raleigh for game one with the Hurricanes. Tomorrow night, the two teams met two years ago in the bubble. Carolina swept a best-of-five qualifying round series. A year ago, Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship at the age of 50. He's not playing this PGA that begins Thursday in Tulsa. Mickelson criticized for comments he made about joining a new Saudi-backed tour. 82-year-old Jack Nicholas says he was offered the job of running that new tour and was offered $100 million, and Nicholas turned it down due to his loyalty to the PGA. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. It is now 5.37 on Wall Street time for the Tri-State Business Report, and for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The spread of the Omicron subvariant is stalling Wall Street's return to the office based on Pret-a-Manger coffee and sandwich sales in the financial district. Bloomberg's Pret Index shows the chain's transactions last week in the area that includes the head offices of firms like Goldman Sachs were the lowest since February. New York State manufacturing activity unexpectedly shrunk in May for the second time in three months, reflecting plunges in orders and shipments. Additional disappointing results may raise concerns about a slowdown in economic activity. The former Hamptons home of the late Johnson & Johnson Chief Executive Officer James Burke has been sold. Sources tell Dow Jones it went for close to its $48 million asking price. The roughly four-acre oceanfront estate is in Sagaponac. It includes two distinct parcels, according to the property's listing agent, Christopher Covert of Compass. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Boeing's biggest customer in China is dropping plans to add more than 100 737 MAX jets to its fleet. I'm Caroline Hepcom, Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the latest UK unemployment numbers, showing the labor market getting even tighter, but real wages are dropping as inflation skyrockets. I'm Steve Potus on 1010 Winds in New York. We're looking at how the Bloomberg Fred Index shows Wall Street's already sluggish return to office plans are taking a step back. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting the owners of an Auburn Hills Japanese diner are being charged with filing false tax returns. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It is 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. To soaring prices, add another worry for American consumers, an alarming shortage of baby formula. The nationwide out-of-stock rate has surged past 40%, and it could take months for supplies to return to normal. Two basic problems underlie the shortfall. The first was a contamination scare at one of the U.S.'s largest formula production plants. 
The facility was shut down and has yet to come back online. A second, more intractable problem is that decades of bad policy have led to extreme market concentration. For example, excessive tariffs and other trade barriers have all but shut out imported formula. In a well-functioning market, the temporary shuttering of a single plant wouldn't create a national crisis. One hopes this mess will help policymakers accept an important fact. Protectionism doesn't make economies more resilient. Instead, it diminishes competition, limits choice, and creates new vulnerabilities. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we continue to watch shares of Twitter this morning down almost 4% right now. As you've been reporting, Elon Musk declaring he won't proceed with his $44 billion takeover of Twitter unless the social media giant can prove bots make up fewer than 5% of its users. S&P futures are on the rise this morning. They're up 66 points. Dow futures have 386. And NASDAQ futures are higher, up 268. That's up 2.2%. The DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. The 10-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. Yield 2.90%. The yield on the two-year, 2.61%. NYMEX crude oil is up half percent or 58 cents at $114.78 a barrel. COMEX gold up six-tenths percent or $11 at $18.25 an ounce. The euro, 1.04. 474 against the dollar, British pound 1.2448, the yen 129.35. And taking a look at Bitcoin this morning, it's higher up more than 2% at $30,600. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Ukrainian troops who have been holding out for weeks at a steel plant in the port city of Mariupol have finally surrendered to Russian forces, injured soldiers have been taken to Russian-controlled territories in eastern Ukraine. Five states will hold primary elections today. Pennsylvania is trying to decide an open Senate seat ahead of the midterms. Other states holding primaries are Idaho, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Oregon. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Orioles 6-2. The Mets game rained out. The Red Sox and Giants won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. All right, Michael, thank you very much. It is now 5.49 of Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. And some of the top stories in the nation's capital include President Biden today heading to Buffalo after the mass shooting over the weekend. The U.S. Senate nears passing the $40 billion aid package for Ukraine. 
the Biden team easing its Cuba stance and the U.S. set to extend the COVID-19 public health emergency. Let's take a deeper dive into these stories this morning. We are joined by Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins in our Washington bureau. Emily, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Uh, let's uh, start with the uh, the visit of the president to Buffalo. He's not going to be able to offer much except uh, for his sympathies, not much in the way of policy changes. Very interesting Bloomberg story uh, this morning on this. Yeah, I think there is a certain reality um, that's really got crystallized after the Sandy Hook shooting in 2014. And it's just continued to persist where any sort of gun reform legislation, either in terms of background checks, um, assault weapons bans, some things that are actually pretty popular with, with the wide majority of Americans have really been unable to pass in Congress. But you know what, John, we actually might be seeing some legislation move uh, due to this shooting. Remember, um, this is tragic shooting, of course, 10 dead, three wounded, 11 of those 13 people were black. And we know that the shooter, uh, you know, that, that he subscribed to a fringe conspiracy theory, um, dealing with race. Uh, this is being investigated as a racially motivated crime. And what we're going to see today, at least it's on the schedule, is for the House to begin movement on a domestic terrorism bill. This was stalled several weeks ago over some concerns from civil rights groups and progressive Democrats. Uh, but this has new momentum after the shooting. And there's a chance that this could be uh, sort of primed, discussed, debated today and primed for a potential vote later this week. Um, this is something that lawmakers think can at least pass the House. Of course, there are huge questions about whether it's going to be able to get um, some Republican support needed to move move forward, uh, but it is at least one piece of legislation that lawmakers believe they can move today. Um, but overall, I mean, even I think it was very telling, you know, when you heard President Biden give his remarks um, after the shooting over the weekend, he didn't call for gun reform legislation. I think that's just the mindset where everyone's at in D.C. They just know that it's it's really just not possible uh, with the current political atmosphere. Uh, in the Bloomberg story, there's a, a, a paragraph about replacement theory, a few a paragraphs, a section about it. The replacement theory that apparently inspired the alleged gunman, the 18-year-old uh, white man, and it's causing a blowback for cons- some conservative lawmakers, right? Yeah, uh, particularly Elise Stefanik. She is the head of the GOP caucus that makes her kind of the number three Republican in the House. Um, a young woman, a new mother, certainly someone uh, to watch within Republican co- politics. And she has pushed um, this theory before. She's uh, put ads on Facebook um, saying that, you know, accusing Democrats of planning what she describes as this permanent election insurrection by a la- by granting amnesty to uh, undocumented immigrants and allowing them to vote, giving them these majorities. This kind of, uh, a lot of people have drawn links between that and what you saw from this 18-year-old shooter kind of saying that there was this grand scheme uh, from groups in power to replace white Americans with um, other minorities. Um, And so she's received some criticism for that. She's pushed back, saying that that's not what she meant, that this is focused mostly on immigration, amnesty, um, whether or not uh, those who are currently um, in the country unauthorized do get the, the ability to vote. Um, but certainly, I, I would say expect this to be something that you continue to to hear about, particularly as we get into this election season uh, from Democrats. Yeah, real quick, the uh, aid package for Ukraine, how close are we, are, are we to uh, to this? 
Well, we could be less than uh, 48 hours away, uh, 24 hours away, maybe even at this point. Uh, make that 48, 36. Um, we are looking at potential passage on Wednesday is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and th- we uh, that could be Wednesday. It could be Thursday. Um, but at this point, it has cleared one necessary procedural hurdle, um, and it's getting very close. Once, of course, it passes the Senate, if there is no potential changes to that text, it's going to go straight to Biden's desk where he can sign it, and that's $40 billion for Ukraine for minutes military for humanitarian aid for refugees um, and this is funds that you've basically heard from from all quarters saying that are still very badly needed for Ukraine to continue to uh, push Russia back from this invasion Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins thanks a lot you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg terminal you can follow the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Karen all right, John, thank you. It's 5.54 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now, here's a legal story we're watching, and it brings us back once again to Elon Musk's bid for Twitter. Concern is growing that Musk could walk away from the $44 billion acquisition. He's been questioning Twitter's publicly disclosed data on the percentage of spam and fake accounts on the social media service. We get more on the legal elements involved in this story. And with that, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School. Former President Trump said there's no way that Elon Musk will buy Twitter at such a ridiculous price. Do you agree with that? It's seeming more and more unlikely that Musk is going to buy Twitter. Well, last I checked, former President Trump had not been to law school. And one of the things that is a considerable complication here is that Elon Musk has already entered into a contract in which he substantially obliges himself to make steps towards buying Twitter at a cash price that he's already stated. So the economics of this deal, I think, are probably causing Elon Musk to think twice about whether he you know, really has buyer's remorse here. I mean, I suspect he does, if for no other reason, because he ended up paying a price that was probably higher than it would have been had he just waited for a few more weeks. That having been said, the history books are filled with people who are buying companies who then get some buyer's remorse and try to get out of them. But the contracts that they've entered into make it either hard or impossible to get out of it. So one big factor here is trying to determine to what extent the deal that Musk ended up entering into with Twitter is going to end up tying his own hands later on or forcing a fairly difficult renegotiation with the Twitter board sitting on a fair amount of bargaining power. How messy would it be for Musk to back out of the deal? If you just sort of stare at the document itself, this is a document that looks, what they say in the industry, relatively seller-friendly. The company that's selling itself, there aren't that many ways that Musk can walk away. Now, there are some aspects to it that make it look like he could, right? There's a termination fee that he would have to pay of a billion dollars if he were to walk away. But that's really only one of the provisions in the deal. And another one, which is far more important, is a provision that's called a specific performance provision, and that's just legalese for either side. If the other side wants to try to back out, they can essentially force the party or get a court order forcing the party to go forward. And that's a provision that's in this deal. It doesn't provide that many outs for Elon Musk. 
The one that it might help provide is if for some reason he's unable to secure financing for the deal, then that might allow that specific performance provision to fall away. So, you know, I think a lot of people are sort of thinking that the disclosure he made this weekend was essentially trying to set the stage for possibly engineering a failing of the financing of the deal. And that's Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with the Bloomberg's Joan Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlogGo. And our top stories are straight ahead as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.